you joined us last week, then you would have heard about chapter one in the Jonah series. So if you missed it, let me just catch you up real quick. Jonah was a prophet in the Old Testament, but his book that goes by his name, there's a book in the Old Testament called Jonah. The book is just four chapters long, and it reads more like a parable. It reads more like a story than the prophetic books. Some of the other prophets in the Old Testament were guys like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Malachi and Micah. And so if you, if you open your Bibles, the, the way that the Old Testament is organized is kind of like the way a library is organized. You've got different sections, right? You've got the nonfiction and the fiction, and you've got the biographies, and you've got the autobiographies, and you've got the history books, and that's how it works in the Old Testament. So the first few books are, are the books of Moses, the, Pente- the Pentateuch, the first five books, and then you've got the books of history like First and Second Samuel, where you're learning about Samuel and David, and, and then you've got the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, and those are all, those are all history books. And then you've got a section of books like Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes that are called the books of wisdom or the poetry books. That's the poetry section in the Old Testament. And the last section in the Old Testament starts with Isaiah, and those are the books of the prophets. And so Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And again, Jonah, you'll find the book of Jonah right there, kind of in the middle of the prophetic section. But it, it's weird because some of, the, some of the other prophetic books are kind of what you would expect from a prophet. In fact, I know that there are about 30 of us who are reading through the Old Testament together. Raise your hand if you're still reading through the Old Testament with. I'm doing it, several of us. We started at the beginning of the year, and some of us are hanging on and still reading through the Old Testament. And if that's you, you'll know that we're in the book of Isaiah right now. In the Old Testament, we're reading through Isaiah. And man, it's been fun to read through Isaiah. I actually let the narrators read it to me. I listened to it. Um, I just, I love to do that, and, and the book of Isaiah is just like fiery, like God has an attitude through Isaiah, like he is talking smack, so if you want to, if you want to read some smack talk, open the book of Isaiah, and that's kind of what you expect out of the prophets, you expect that God is, God is speaking a message, because in the Old Testament, the prophets weren't foretelling the future, they weren't saying, here's what's going to happen. That's not what prophecy in the Old Testament's about. Prophecy is about forthtelling God's truth. It's about telling God's people, telling his nation, Israel, telling them what he wants. Because remember, they didn't, have, they didn't have Bibles like we do. So they needed, they needed messengers from God. They needed people like Isaiah and Jeremiah to come and say, hey, this is what God wants to remind you of. You forgot about this. Don't worship false idols, for example. And so they were forth-telling God's truth. That's mainly what they did, reminding people, kind of like parents, like, don't forget to brush your teeth, right? Don't forget to wash your face. You shouldn't have to be reminded of stuff like that, but some some people do, right? Some kids need that. And so that's what the prophets did. And then we, and then we read about Jonah. Okay, so Jonah, if you missed last week, Jonah, God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to bring my message. I want you to bring a message to, to Nineveh, a, a foreign nation. Now, normally, normally prophets only spoke to the Israelites, to, the, to God's people. But God wanted Jonah, we learned last week, he wanted Jonah to go speak to Nineveh, the enemy nation, which is very unusual. And so 
and so Jonah fled. <laughs> Jonah went the other way. In fact, we learned last week that he, went, he got on a boat toward Tarshish. That's a, that's a fun word to say. Do you guys want to say it real quick? Say it with me, everybody. Tarshish. You're going to be, all afternoon, you're going to be saying Tarshish now. That's just such a fun word. So, but Tarshish, literally in, in Jonah's day, was, was thought of as the ends of the earth. The a- absolute end of the earth. And so, so when we read Jonah, last week when we read Jonah 1, it's basically saying that God said go to Assyria, and literally Jonah went as far away as he could possibly go. That's what he did. Well, so here's what happened. If you missed last week, he, got, he ends up creating this storm in his life, a great metaphor, by the way, because some of you might feel like you're in a storm right now. He creates a storm, he gets thrown overboard, and last week we left off with him being swallowed up by a great fish. And so that was chapter one. There's only four chapters. So today, in chapter two, we're going to talk about what happened next. And we're titling today's message, How to Pray at Rock Bottom, because literally Jonah hit rock bottom in his life. Jonah, as you open up Jonah chapter two, Jonah is, he's in a fish, and there's 10 verses, and all he does is praise. And we're going to take a look at that prayer and then we're, we're going to try to get you to apply it to your life, especially for those of you who are here who might feel like you're in a valley in your life, that you're experiencing a rock-bottom situation, you're in a dark place. Jonah can relate. And we're going to look at how he prayed and, and some things that we can do in our lives as well. But before we get into three points, real three quick points today, before we do that, we're going to have one of our students read the chapter to us. So pay attention. Hey church, welcome back to the book of Jonah. Today we are in chapter two and this is what it says. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, "O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remember the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. All right, so three things we're going to talk about today. And, and again, I want to encourage you to apply this to your life. I'm going to apply it to my life. I want to share how I did these three things that we see Jonah doing. There's three A's. I mean, we couldn't, get, we couldn't help ourselves. We're, we're going to talk about the three A's. We wanted ABCs, but we couldn't come up with ABCs. So the three A's, how to pray when you hit rock bottom. In fact, we're going to apply it to, we're going to show how it connects to the first three steps of the 12 steps of AA. Two of our pastors on staff are recovering addicts, and they, they, now they run AA groups. Lots of people are coming to victory and freedom over addiction. And in the 1950s, Bill Wilson came to, came to faith in Jesus, and, and he came up with these 12 steps, and, and it, it, they've really helped countless people. And it, what's interesting is Bill Wilson didn't come up with these first three 
I think Jonah did. And you're going to see that Jonah, Jonah did these three things in his prayer at rock bottom. Number one, first thing you need to do is admit the trouble that you're in. Here's how step one in the 12 steps says it. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Now, Jonah, here's how he did it in his prayer. Jonah chapter 2 and verse 1 through 6. It says, Jonah prayed to the Lord. Now pay attention. Look, at, look for his admission here. He prayed to the Lord as God inside the fish, and he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. I called to you from the land of the dead. I sank beneath the waves. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. So Jonah had no choice but to admit the trouble that he was in. Now in my life, three years ago, for the very first time, I experienced a panic attack. Now if you've, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. I literally wanted to die. In fact, it was for several weeks, and it, it kind of carried on into several months. I was experiencing anxiety. For me, it manifested in claustrophobia. So three years ago, there's no way I could have preached this sermon about a guy stuck in a fish for three days. That would have been a major trigger. In fact, honestly, I remember even just standing here right now as, as John talked about the, the escape route, and some of you didn't know that there was a door out here. I did know that. Because three years ago, was that when I was having these panic attacks, and again, it, for me, it, it manifested in claustrophobia, I remember coming, driving up here one time in the, kind of in the midst of that thinking, I'm not sure I'm gonna make it through the service. Honestly, I wasn't sure I was going to make it through the service because even just this distance from here to the nearest exit, trust me, I knew it, I looked at those two doors right there and I thought, all right, I can make a beeline if I need to. I mean, if you've ever experienced something like that, it doesn't even make sense. It does, it's, not even, it doesn't, it's not even logical what was going on in my mind. And that's what was so frustrating. So when I was experiencing this crazy anxiety in my life, I, the first step I had to take was just to be honest about it. See, there's something about men in particular. I think probably it's true for everybody, but men in particular. Because I've been sharing a little bit about this over the last few years, and I can't tell you how many men have come up to me and said, I've experienced anxiety or I've experienced depression as well. And almost all of us say the same thing. We stuffed it. We stuffed it. We didn't want to admit it. Because we're stronger than that. It's a sign of weakness to admit that, that something like that. It doesn't even make sense, panic attack. Like, why would I feel so panicky about something like that? So I had to literally admit the trouble that I was in, kind of like what we see Jonah doing here. I, I remember, as I was working through this, I, I took sticky notes, and I would, at my wife's encouragement, I would literally write out the stuff that was going on in my head Everything that was going on in my head, I would just be honest about it. I'd put it on a sticky note, and then I would stick it on the wall in my office. And I'd go in there in my prayer times, and I would just kind of look at that. And it was, it was very therapeutic for me, by the way, to literally face my fears, my insecurities. What is, what is going on there? Why, why is that happening? My first instinct was to stuff it and to say, it's not that big of a deal. It's not a problem. But you'll know if you've ever been in this desperate place at rock bottom, like at a certain point, you can't stuff it anymore. I literally, I literally had to just hit my knees 
and say, God, I'm in trouble. I need your help. Some of you today might say, that's what I'm going through. Maybe you're experiencing that, some anxiety or some panic or, some, or something going on inside of you or in your head even that you can't make sense of. Some of you maybe can relate more to Jonah's story that you're actually running from God, that you feel like, you feel like God's trying to get your attention and you're not paying attention and so now what's happened is you're in this, you're in this low point of your life. I'm just gonna encourage you to do what Jonah did. Admit the trouble you're in. It's interesting as we look a little bit further into this passage, here's what he says about it. He says, you threw me into the ocean depths. He's talking to God here. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And then I said, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. See, there's a part of, as, as Jonah was getting honest about his situation, what he eventually realized is that God was behind this that God was going to use this for his own purposes. Last week we shared the verse from Romans 8, 28, that God uses all things for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. And so Jonah is getting to this place where he's recognizing that God was behind even the low times in his life. I remember years ago, I, 15 years ago, I had a diagnosis. The doctor called me after a scan. I had a lump on my back, and the doctor said, I'm so sorry, but you've got this sarcoma eating away the, your, the bones in your body. That's not a call you really want to hear. I want you to know everything turned out okay. The doctor misread the scans. Totally misread the scans. I know some of you are like, what a jerk. And, <laughs> and that was probably my first reaction. But in retrospect, I look back on that. For three weeks, I thought I had a death sentence for three weeks. And so I got to experience what some of you have experienced for real. Maybe some of you here are here today experiencing this right now for real. And I want you to know, I, I, you can't just read about that. Like, you have to experience it. And I, I experienced it for three weeks. And I was at that, that point in my life where I was desperate for God. That's where Jonah is. Some of you might be in that same place today. So step one is admit the trouble you're in. Step two then. It's to affirm who God still is, not just who he was before the storm, but who he still is even right now, even, even in the midst of the storm. The 12 steps say it like this, step number two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Now, of course, in our AA groups, in our 12-step groups at our campuses, if you want to join one of those, we, we know who that power is. He has a name. His name is Jesus it's not just the light bulb above your head. That higher power is the God of the Bible. It's the God of Jonah. And Jonah knew it too. Jonah knew his name as well. Let's go back to his prayer in the belly of the fish. He says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. Look at the three affirmations he makes about God, by the way. I underlined them. And he answered me. So number one, God answers. Some of you don't know that God answers. Some of you still maybe aren't really sure who God is. Maybe you're dipping your toe in the water. Maybe you're here today. Somebody invited you. We're glad you're here. But maybe you're still not sure who God is and what his heart is for you. Well, Jonah knows that God answers. He said, I called to the Lord from the land of the dead, and you heard me. So he's a God who listens. So he listens. He answers. Some of you spouses are like, man, I wish my spouse was like that. I don't even have a husband who listens and answers. I want you to know this is who God is. God listens. God answers. 
He says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. So he listens, he answers, and he rescues. And so see what Jonah is doing here is he's, he's affirming who God is. He's professing God's character. For me, a few years ago, when I was working through my panic attacks, I would close, I would when I was finally able to close the door in my office, it took a while, but eventually I was able to close the door in my office. I had the windows open. And I would, I would look at those sticky notes and I would, I would face my fears. I would face what I was, I was trying to be honest about what was going on. But I always had worship music going. Like 24-7 I had worship music. It was like, it was like air to my soul to have worship music going. Worship music is just music that's focused on who God is. That's what it is. It's just focused on who God is. God's people have always done worship. Psalms are, it's a whole book about worship songs that the people of Israel sang to God in their distress. A lot of it is in their distress, calling out to God. God's people worship God. God's people focus on God because what that does is it gets our focus off of our problem, our situation, when I focus on who God is. If you've never tried it, I'd encourage you to affirm who God still is. By the way, you should notice something about this too. Go back and read Jonah chapter two. It actually doesn't say anywhere in there in the prayer, Jonah never mentions the fish. Jonah, I don't think Jonah knew he was in a fish. I mean, think about it. Jonah went into, read it for yourself, but Jonah gets thrown into the water. It's turbulent water. Everything just goes dark. How would he know he's in a fish? He didn't see it in the midst of the waves. So he thinks he's in Sheol. Go read it. It says Sheol. Sheol was the place of the dead for the Jewish people, for the Hebrew people. He literally thought he was in Sheol. He thought he was imprisoned in the earth. That's what he thought. He didn't, he didn't say, I was imprisoned in a fish. He literally thought he was dead. He had no idea that God provided a fish to rescue him from drowning. If it weren't for the fish, he would have drowned. A lot of times when we read this story, we think of the fish as a bad thing. I do, I'm claustrophobic. But, but when you zoom out on the story, actually the fish is God's provision, not his punishment. The fish was his rescue plan for Jonah. You know, for us, we don't, sometimes you're in the middle of a, of a crisis or a trial or you're hitting rock bottom and you think it's a bad thing, but a lot of times you don't realize God's rescue plan. You don't see it for what it is, even when you're right in the middle of it. That was Jonah's situation. There he was, and he didn't even realize what God was doing, but what he did, what he did do is he affirmed who God was. Fifteen years ago when I had that health scare, I... Tracy and I, we, we, at the University of Utah Hospital, the, the Huntsman Cancer Center, we, had, we, could, we could do nothing more but just turn to God and say, God, we need you. We need you. I don't even know what people who don't know God, I don't know what they do. We, we talked about that all the time. Like, what, what do people do if they don't have God in their life? Because this is when we turn to God and we say, God, we trust you. We don't know why this is going on. We don't know how this story is going to end, but we trust you. We affirmed who God was in that situation. That's step number two. And then the third step, we see it in Jonah's prayer, is to align with God's plan. Here's how 
the third step of AA says it. They say we made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God as we understood him. I love, I love that it says the care of God. People in addiction recognize when they, once they've come to this place, rock bottom. Sometimes it takes rock bottom for you to look up, right? They come to this place where they say, God cares, me, cares about me, and I, I really don't have any other choice. I'm going to turn myself over to the care of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn my will over to God. I'm going to align myself with God. I mean, this is how Jonah did it in his prayer, verses 7, 8, and 9. He says, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. That was my story. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. And then he makes a statement that just seems arrogant to me, but that's for another sermon. He says, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. Jonah, just a chapter earlier, turned his back on God. <laughs> this is sometimes we do this. I mean, God is gracious to us that even in our prayers, sometimes I wonder about how God, if I could just see all the prayers I've ever prayed to God, I'm, I'm just like, God, I'm so sorry. I, like, you knew my heart and I still said that thing. Like, this is, those who worship false gods turn their back. Well, what about the sailors who were worshiping false gods? In the last chapter, they do everything they can to save Jonah. Finally, they throw him overboard, and the, the storm goes calm, and they're worshiping the God of Jonah. Literally, the sailors were worshiping. The sailors turned to God before Jonah even did. And let's not even get into chapter four. Make sure to come back in a couple weeks, because you're going to see Jonah literally was the worst prophet of God ever. Okay? just want you to know that. So here he is, those who were, look at how, how high and mighty he is, right? Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies. But look what he says. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. See, what's interesting is Jonah, in, at rock bottom, Jonah finally said, okay, I'm going to align with your plan. Now, come back next week and you'll see what happened when he went to Nineveh. But this is where he decided that he was going to go to Nineveh. And this is what repentance is. Repentance is, and a lot of times it takes rock bottom to get there. Maybe some of you are there today. But repentance is when you get to a place where you say, God, I'm going to stop kicking against your plan. I'm going to stop going my own way to Tarshish. I'm going to go your way now. I'm going to align myself with you. But remember, he's in a fish. He can't do anything. All, what's happened here is he's just made a decision. That's what repentance is. is you, in your heart, the word we like to use is your attitude. Your attitude changes. You're like, I'm going to go this new way. That's, what, that's how salvation comes to us, is when in our hearts we say, God, I want to go your way now. I haven't even taken a step in your direction yet because I'm in a fish. <laughs> but I want to go your way now. That's That's repentance. And I love what he says at the end of that. He says, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. He recognized that God was his only hope, and so he said, I'm going to align with your plan. And some of you today, this is where you find yourself, that whether it's a storm of your own making like Jonah's, whether it's an, maybe some of you have an addiction, and I want you to hear that that does not have to be the end of you. Admit 
the trouble you're in. If you don't admit it, then you're, you're, you're not even ready for God's rescue. You have to admit it. You have to say, God, I recognize I'm in, a, I'm in a storm and I put myself here. Admit the trouble you're in. Affirm that God is for you, not against you. God is a, he's a good, this is what's amazing in this whole story. Every character we see in the story, every single character in the story, we see God's mercy, God's mercy. Well, I should say every human character, we see God's mercy. All the other characters, like the fish, they just obey. They just obey. In fact, the end of chapter two, it just says, the Lord spoke to the fish, and the fish spit Jonah out onto the beach. Those are literally the same words as in Jonah chapter one, where it starts with, the Lord spoke to Jonah. The Lord spoke to Jonah, and he ran in the other direction. The Lord spoke to the fish, and the fish just obeyed. Because here's the thing with humans. We have free will, and we get to decide whether we want to align with God or not. The fish didn't get to decide. The rocks don't get to decide. The mountains don't get to decide. Creation doesn't get to decide. We get to decide. So for you, admit the trouble you're in. Affirm who God still is, that he is for you. He's not against you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to extend mercy to you and grace to you. He wants to give you a second chance. He's great and he's powerful and he's awesome and he's scary, but he's also good and forgiving and merciful and compassionate and gracious and slow to anger. This is what Jonah is going to affirm in chapter 4. This is who God is. This is who God still is. This is who God always will be. And then finally align with him and say, God, I'm going to stop running from you. I want to align my life with you. I want to go your direction and watch and learn what Jonah learned, that salvation comes from the Lord alone. We're going to close our service today with communion. This is great timing. So if you, if you have one of these little communion cups, go ahead and pull it out right now. In fact, I, if, you, if you want to take communion with us and you missed it, just slip your hand up and we'll make sure that that someone will get you one right now. If you're up in the balcony, there's communion cups back behind you. But communion, this, this thing that we celebrate is, is something that, that Jesus did with his disciples 2,000 years ago, right before he went to the cross to die for our sins. And what Jesus did on the cross is really what the Jonah story is all about. We'll talk more about that in week five of our series. But just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, Jesus was in the grave for three days and three nights. And just as Jonah was spit out of the fish, Jesus was spit out of the grave. And so it's really cool that we could do this and kind of connect the dots here together today. But Jesus was with his disciples on the night he was betrayed, and, and he, he took this Passover meal. That it, it was a Jewish thing that celebrated the Passover from the Old Testament when the, Egypt, when the Israelites escaped Egypt. That was the whole, that's really what it was about. That's what communion was originally about. It was about the Passover meal. But what Jesus was doing, he was having the Passover with his disciples right before he was going to go to the cross, and he basically was saying, look, this whole Passover tradition that we have that's all about salvation coming from the Lord, this whole tradition, 
It was pointing toward me, Jesus said. It was pointing toward what I'm about to do when he went to the cross. And so he took, he took the bread that had a certain significance for the Israelites, and he took the cup, and he gave it all new meaning. He, he gave it all new significance for them. So what I want you to do today is just to peel back that top layer. It's that thin top layer and so that you can just access that wafer and take that wafer in your hand. And, and so Jesus broke the bread. He, they didn't have COVID, so they didn't have to do these stupid little individual packets. But he broke the bread. He didn't even have gloves on. He broke the bread. He passed bread out to all of them. And what he said is, look, this what used to have this other meaning to you, he says, this now has this new meaning. This is my body. Take this. Take my body, which is given for you. And every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So let's do this today. Let's take this wafer that represents the body of Christ. And then peel back that other layer. Try not to spill. Peel back that other layer, and that's going to get you to the juice. And in Jesus' day, it was wine. It wasn't juice, it was wine, and, but it wasn't really even just wine. It, what it represented was something more than that. It represented the blood of Christ. Now remember, for the, Old Te- for the Israelites and the Jewish people in the Old Testament, it represented a lamb's blood, like a sacrificial system blood. But for Jesus, what he said is, I'm the lamb of God. And what he said is, this is now, this is my blood. This represents my blood which Jesus was about to shed on the cross so that we could be saved because salvation comes from the Lord, just like Jonah said. And so let's do what Jesus said. Let's take the cup together and remember his sacrifice. Jesus, we thank you that salvation comes from you and from you alone. And God, we turn to you today and I pray for the person who's here who really feels like they're at rock bottom in their life. God, I pray that they would admit the trouble that they're in. They would affirm that you are good and you are able to save. And God, that they would align with you and your plan. And Lord Jesus, I pray that that rescue that Jonah experienced, God, that many people in this room would experience today and we'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.